Hello, history enthusiasts. Welcome to the Rural Experience in America Community Civics Through Historical Inquiry podcast. The National Council for History Education, a proud member of the Library of Congress's Teaching with Primary Sources Consortium, is pleased to present to you a series of podcasts spotlighting the public history projects created by teachers, community partners, and students from all over the United States. My name is Talia, and today I'll be talking to one of the 11 educators who participated in the first year of this project. Listen in as we learn more about how they integrated public history into their classrooms. Let's welcome to the podcast, Sarah Percy. Um, My name is Sarah Percy, and I teach eighth grade and pre-AP eighth grade American history um, in Tecumseh, Oklahoma. I have taught grades 4 through 12, but spent most of my time in middle school, and this is my 21st year in the classroom. Awesome. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. I I would love to learn more about your public history project, Rural Representation in Children and Young Adult Literature. Can you give me a brief overview of your project? Sure. Um, My project is called Tecumseh Tales, and my students are interviewing longtime uh, residents here in in Tecumseh, and then they are going to use their own live stories um, as kids growing up here in in this area, and the information they got from those interviews and write themselves a narrative um, to kind of tell the real story or the true story. Um, I grew up in this area, And when I would travel mostly to either coast, I got a lot of interesting questions about what life was like here in Oklahoma. And um, usually they were filled with quite a few misconceptions. So that's kind of where my um, passion in this area has come from, is just trying to tell the true story of what rural is. It's complicated, you know, and allow my students to, to do that, to kind of tell their story. That's awesome. So how are you using primary sources in your project? Well, as the interviews have gone on, and now we're down to just needing one more interview, so that's exciting. But um, as the interviews have gone on, they have gone back through their notes that they took while they've done the interviews and places that were mentioned or, or things that came up in the, in the interviews. Now they've gone back and they've looked for pictures of them or um, newspaper articles, like they were talking about. Um, one of the interviews was with a football alumni, and he talked about a game that they had won and so on. So they went back and looked up a newspaper article and some other things. So they got the information originally from the interview, and now they're searching up and trying to connect those things to what they are today as opposed to what they were then. The Library of Congress has been very helpful in documents and letters and some newspaper stuff. Where they found the majority of the pictures has been our Oklahoma Historical Society, um, which we found a link to going from the Library of Congress. So I guess they kind of drove us <laughs> drove us there. But um, the majority of the pictures have been from the Oklahoma Historical Society, but newspaper articles and other documents we have been able to find on the Library of Congress. And the Library of Congress has been very helpful. We have a very large Native population. Um, 48% is actually my school's enrollment. And so um, I've had a lot of kids doing some inquiry into Indian territory, and that has been very helpful. We found quite a bit on the Library of Congress in that area. Awesome. Where did the students find their people to interview? Were they assigned them, or are they specific members of the community who are willing to participate? Um, It's a little bit of both. So 
my mother taught in this district as well, and I've been around for quite a while. And so I spoke to a member of the Alumni Association and asked them to give me, you know, um, alumni members who, you know, were over a certain age or had graduated over a certain time ago. And they were able to give me a bunch of those. I also sent out a letter with my students asking them if they had any family members that they knew that would be interested to participate and so on. And so I got, I got kind of a pull from there. And then I went ahead and, and kind of divided it up and assigned them to each group. Can you also talk a little bit about your community partner who you were working with and how they impacted the project? Yeah. So my, my partner is Friends of the Library, and that's our, a group that works with our pioneer library system. They, uh, they've done several story walks and other things. I happen, again, through our school, our librarian is the president of, of that, so our school librarian. So when I was talking to her about, you know, rural representation, and of course, we share this, this interest in literature, and she was like, oh, we would love to help. And so that's kind of how I got um, connected with them. And they have been so gracious, been able to record our interviews and save them on little uh, memory chips. And they're going to allow those to be checked out at the library, which is fabulous. They've added them to like their card, not technically card catalog, sorry, but they're, you know, they're <laughs> things to be checked out. And they're allowing us to display um, the student's final work in a story walk at our, at our local park. Um, the story walk, if people aren't familiar with it, there's um, these big glass panels and, um, you know, you start at point A and you walk the walking track around the park and read the story, you know. And so we're going to be able to display our, our final projects there. I would love to hear about some of the rewards and benefits of completing a public history project like this in the scope. I just really think just the, the inquiry and, and the questioning skills that the um, students are getting, plus they're getting this, the research and again, the critical thinking skills that will just benefit them, not only in high school. Um, I'm doing this project with my pre-AP kids, so they're already getting a little bit of advanced stuff and they'll be expected to take that even the next level. But, um, you know, as a, as a college student, I know that this will be, it'll have to be self-driven um, learning. And this is really, I think it's going to set a wonderful foundation for some of them. And a lot of them have, uh, surprised me in how independently they're doing this because we're not doing it during our regular curriculum time. I don't have, there's just no way we could do that. And so we have an advisory period during the day and they are asking to come in and they're doing so much extra and just, it has really just sparked this, this great interest in where I'm from, um, why, why it is what it is and these things. And it, it's just been really exciting to watch them. They're my pre-AP American history class. And so, I mean, I do mention it during that regular class, but they each sign up. Um, I have an online sign up thing and they sign up to come into my class during advisory time, uh, twice a week to, to work on their project. I did not tell them what days they had to come or any of that. That's been completely on them. And it's been, I mean, they really, I thought I might have to monitor that a little bit more, but each Monday I come and I open up my week and they have signed up and they're showing up. It's really just been wonderful. I, they've gone above where I really thought they would when we started this project. Kind of on the flip side, what are some of the challenges of completing a project like this? It seems like it's quite a large scope and there's a lot of people involved. It is. It is. And um, there's been a lot of time. This year has been the year of the flu at, in 
in Tecumseh. And so we've had um, a lot of absences. We've had a reschedule. And my hope was to have a lot of this stuff done before basketball and wrestling got into full because um, again, when I'm using my pre-AP kids, they're also the kids that are in everything. They're in marching band, they're on academic team, they're all, you know, all the sports, everything. That has also been a little difficult and slowed down um, interview process. And then simply, it wasn't necessarily a challenge with the Alumni Association to find people, but then to find people who were willing to work around the kids' schedules to get everything um, scheduled out. I was really lucky with the interviews um, that my best friend who teaches here with me, her husband works for ESPN and he graciously offered the audio video stuff. I think that was going to be, that was the thing that I was most concerned about going into this. And it's turned out to be, um, that was really a lifesaver, but I would just say schedules working around everybody's busy, busy world, including, (laughs) including my own. So. Would you have any advice for other teachers or any other educators interested in creating a similar public history project with their students? I would say one, uh, plan uh, a to-do list kind of person um, personally, and I think that's helped. But really, try to set yourself out a schedule. But if it doesn't stick to that schedule, don't don't freak out. Anybody who's been in the classroom long enough and done enough with public education knows how you have to be flexible. And, and there's always going to be something get thrown in your way. Um, don't be scared of it. You know, at first I was pretty nervous. Um, I'm also a graduate student. And I thought to myself, I've taken on just, just way too much. And there's still days I feel that. But it's really been rewarding. Like I said, the, the excitement that some of these kids have for it, um, you know, that outweighs, that outweighs the stuff. So just kind of go for it because I really think the – the end benefit is, is, is so wonderful and so great. It's just been a really wonderful experience and I am, I'm very grateful that I got to be a part of it and, um, and kind of share this, you know, with my town and, and with my school. Um, a lot of my students had never been, you know, searched anything on the Library of Congress or, or done a lot of these things, you know, they've been in this area their entire lives and their families have been here their entire lives and they knew nothing about about any of it so um just really grateful that i've got to be part of this and and that i get to continue um to be part of it i'm really i'm really excited for it thank you so much to sarah Percy for giving us a sneak peek into her creative process stay tuned to hear from three of her students max haley and atley as they discuss their projects and the importance of learning about their own community Hello, my name is Max. I was part of the rural project our school was participating in about Tecumseh. I got I was an interviewer and I got to interview my own grandfather. It was a great experience and it taught me a lot about well, our country and like what this area is about. And I'm really interested into it now. So I've been doing researches outside of our project just kind of for the fun of it because it's very interesting with our history. And the experience was just nice to be able to work on something about our place like Oklahoma is a very small part of America but we're just as important as the rest of it and that's why I really enjoyed this project. Hi my name's Haley. Hi my name's Atlee and I'm the team interviewer and I'm the team designer. We have a researcher but she's not in the room with us. Um, 
we are working on the Tales of Tales project, and it's basically, which you probably already know what it is, we're writing, like, a, a story, or how, like, how, growing up in Tecumseh, and I've really, I have enjoyed growing up in Tecumseh, and it's, it's a good town, and it's made me curious to, like, how, how it used to be back then, and how people, like, how things worked, and, like, what were, like, what were some, like, popular things back then, and it's piqued those interests, and very interesting. Yeah, <laughs> it's, and, like, a lot of our buildings, they're, they're pretty old, and, like, we still use them today, and they're, they still work fine, and it's just cool how that stuff has, like, evolved, and, like, how people, how life used to be back then, and it's really interesting to me to, like, see, like, old, like, stuff like that, and, yeah, and at least. Um, I think it's just, like, cool to see, like, how everything is, like, like, not everything. Some of the stuff are still here, and some of the stuff aren't here, but they've changed a lot, and mm -hmm. I think it's really cool. Yeah, so, also, our town is very close, and it's cool to see how, like, we've, like, become that close. Like, we're, if somebody needs something, like, we're always there for anybody in time of needs. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you will also listen to other teachers, community partners, and students as they share their impressive public history projects that connect students with their community's history. You can find all the stories on our website at nch. Eteach.org. This podcast has been produced by Regina Holland, Program Manager at National Council for History Education, and Talia Smith, a Teaching with Primary Sources intern at the Library of Congress. NCHE is a proud member of the Library of Congress's Teaching with Primary Sources Consortium. This podcast contains samples of Bulldoze Blues by Eleanor Ellis and Henry Thomas. It was retrieved by Deanne Arthur and Rick Arthur via the collection of Music Box Project materials found at the Archive of Folk Culture American Folklife Center at the Library of Congress. It can also be found on the Citizen DJ website. Last but certainly not least, thank you so much to all of the teachers, community partners, and students who participated in the creation of this podcast. Until next time.